The greatest leaders are the ones who are conscious about what they can do about it and are empowered to take action. And that's what I teach them how to do is to be empowered and how to take that action. What's up, Win Monday Nation? Paul Epstein here, and I've got a fire conversation for you today with my main man, Anton Gunn. Let me tell you a little bit about Anton. Best-selling author, check. Keynote speaker, globally acclaimed, check. How about this? Former senior advisor to President Barack Obama, so no big deal, but all right, all right. Leading authority on socially conscious leadership. My man has been featured in Time Magazine, Wall Street Journal, BBC, NPR and Good Morning America, I am losing my breath. And the last thing is, he went to the other USC. We were just riffing off camera. So I go to the one in LA. He goes to, uh, obviously, in South Carolina. So a little SEC football. Anton, brother, welcome to the show. Man, so great to be with you. Excited about having this time. And yes, I went to the real USC, the one that was a school (laughs) before you were even a state. But that's okay. We can have fun about it. Let's have fun about it. It's all good. It's all good. All right. So first question, we got to start here because this is kind of a, so look, a lot of folks given 15 years in the NFL and NBA as a business exec on my side, everybody wants that backstage pass, that front row seat, kind of that peek behind the curtain. So for you, let's go to the White House out of the gates, spend some time with President Barack Obama. If you could boil it down, biggest insight, biggest lesson learned, like obviously you've been around him, you've absorbed his spirit, and I'm sure you've had some off-camera type conversations that have impacted your life. So hit us with one or two major things that how you have changed because of your time with him. Yeah. So man, it's so much that that I could throw in there, but I'm going to give you three quick ones. Number one, the thing that I learned most from Barack Obama is to always surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Mm. The job itself is so complex and so hard. Even if you are the president, it is not possible to be great at it if you're the smartest one in the room. And Barack Obama was never afraid to put people around him who understood things better, differently, or more than he did. And they gave the best advice. And of course, he had to make the executive decision. So that's lesson one is to surround yourself with those people. The second thing is one that I think we both agree on is go big or go home, that you get an opportunity every day to have an impact. So why would you ever play small? Why would you ever, Mm. you know, half-ass it, if you will? Why would you Mm -hmm. ever mail it in? And I can tell you that one of the things that he was unabashed about is that we have an opportunity to make a difference and let's do it big. And, you know, we do big things. And that was one of the themes that we had while I was there. So that's the second one. Mm. Third thing, this is probably the most important one of all of them, is to love your family first. Mm. I'm a husband and a father. I got a wife and I got a daughter. He's got two girls. And the thing that I observed by spending the time when I spent with him is, is that he was unabashed about showing people that he cared about his wife and his girls. Yeah. And that he was the president of the United States, but he's coaching a junior high school basketball team for his girls. That he's at the soccer match. He's on the sidelines being a dad. And you got to have that personal life side of you, no matter what the job is, no matter how much you dive into business, you got to find those things that fill your cup. And 
be unafraid about sharing that with other people that you have this personal side. And so many of us want to be the perfect leader. We want to keep this stoic framework about us and it's all business all the time. But you and I both know that that's a mistake. That's a huge mistake. And so find your local spaces. And that's what I got from him is find your family space. Mm. Love your family first. This is universally applicable because look, whether we're talking to parents that are tuning in right now or even beyond, we've all got family. And guess what? Sometimes it's not blood family. It's the family you choose. Your best friends can be like family. So let's let's zoom out and just call family for whatever you interpret it to be. But I don't know if you want to answer this for you or if you want to answer this for for Barack or maybe a little bit of both. But we've all got calendars that have very little white space. And thankfully, I think mine is increasing through intentionality and creating guardrails and parameters. But that was very hard. I was always chasing too many shiny things, but that's a story for another day. Mm -hmm. How, when you have so many demands on you, Mm -hmm. how do you manage to continue to have the discipline and commitment to put family first when the world tries to tug you in a million different directions? Yeah. So I can answer this for him and then I'll weave it into mine is number one, the power of five minute meetings. Mm. Okay. So everybody knows that the president makes about 200 of the most important decisions on the planet Earth every day. And it's precious when you get five minutes of the president's time, five minutes. And when you get that five minutes, you need to be prepared for what you want to say and what you want him to do. There's no time for backstory or long explanations. You got to come in ready to go. And so from a business standpoint, when you do a meeting with anybody, know what the outcome is going to be or what do you want the outcome to be before you even start the meeting. And the pleasantries can come after you take care of the business. And so if you need to cut it short, cut it short. That's the first thing. The second thing really kind of weaves in to where I need more discipline. I'll be really transparent about that is when to end your freaking day. You know, Barack Obama ended his day at six o'clock every day. It didn't matter what was going on. Maybe if you got something like taking out Osama bin Laden that might extend your day a little bit because it's on the other side of the world. But at 6 p.m., he went upstairs and he was dead. Yeah. You know, that literally was it. It was no 7 p.m. There was no 7 p.m. meeting. There's no 9 o'clock meeting. There's no West Coast conversation. The day was over at 6 p.m. Mm. And I think the discipline of being able to terminate your day from business and really find your time on the personal side is something that we all should master. I haven't mastered it yet. I mean, I just, I can't because sometimes I have clients who are on the West Coast and they're three hours behind. And so the end of my day at six o'clock is still like three o'clock their time. So, but I think that's probably the the ideal way to end your day. To win Monday and beyond, we all know that confidence is the ante to play. And I want to help. So if you haven't already, head over to my website and take your very own confidence quiz and walk away knowing one to a hundred where your confidence stands. You'll also receive a free guide to the 12 keys of building unshakable confidence. You can find it at paulepsteinspeaks.com backslash confidence dash quiz, or just head over to paulepsteinspeaks.com and you'll find confidence quiz in the main nav bar. With that, let's get back into the conversation. So a lot of what I'm hearing you say, I could describe it with many different adjectives, but certainly the word conscious 
is one mm. of the first things that come to mind. Yes. So the presence, awareness, consciousness, yes. all of those, yes. right? They're all yes. connected. Yes. And, and you've been known by the world and why a lot of folks bring you in, whether to speak or to consult or whatever other hat you're wearing, we call it socially conscious leadership. Yes. But even for me, the first time I saw that on paper, I want you to define it. Like, yes. give us some substance yes. and context to what does socially conscious leadership mean? Yeah. So the main point, I'll use the word that you said, which is awareness. All of us walk around socially blind to many things that go on around us. We know what we know, but we're totally unaware of all of the many different things that happen around us. And when I say things, let me quantify it is people experience unfairness and injustice every single day, particularly in the workplace where I spend 90% of my time. And so when you think about it, most of us are socially blind to what goes wrong inside of our companies or inside of our organizations. And here's how it generally breaks down. About 50% of people are what I call living in oblivion. Hmm. They literally have no line of sight to what's going wrong in the organization. And why don't they? Well, it's two frameworks. Framework one is that you have an, what we call an awareness axis, which is the longer you've been around an organization, the more awareness you have to how things are screwed up. So mm. if you're brand new hire, you don't even know what the bathrooms right. are. So you don't know what's going wrong inside of the culture of the organization. But if you've been there 35 years, you know where every bone is buried. <laughs> okay. But most of us, about 50%, given that we're five years or less into our organization, we have little awareness around what's wrong. But at the same time that we have little awareness, that means we don't have any ability to fix anything when we see something wrong. So we're blind to what's going wrong and we're blind to our ability to fix it. That's 50%. Then you have the 35% who've been there a significant amount of time and they're aware that stuff is jacked up. Man, marketing is jacked up or public relations is jacked up or how we treat people who work in customer service is jacked up. We know it's wrong. We see it's wrong every day but they don't do anything about it because they're stuck in what I call paralysis by analysis. Like they see mm -hmm. the problem and they say, you know what? I know marketing is jacked up, but I work in operations. So it don't have nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm not a marketing guy or that's HR's problem to fix. Or they might even say, you know what? I'm senior enough in this company. I could do something about it, but it ain't my job. It's just, yeah. it's not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so they actually don't take any action because they get stuck in this head case game of, I can't do anything about it. They might be a little bit aware, but they're not consciously taking action, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the 10% above that. So you got 50% living in oblivion, 35% who are literally stuck, not doing anything. And then you got the 10%. The 10% are the people who have the greatest awareness of the problems inside of their organization. They know everything about it. They either been there a long time, or they're the highest part of the food chain in the organization. They're crystal clear about what's jacked up and they have the greatest ability to do something about it, but they don't do anything about it. Why? Mm. Because they have the mistaken belief that they somehow benefit from things staying jacked up the way they are. So they're aware, they're conscious of the things, but they think they benefit morally, socially, economically, financially from not doing anything. Hmm. Let's just call these people out. I'm going to give some names and I'm going to name some of these people who are in that top 
who can see all of the problems, but perpetuate the problems because they think they benefit. And I'm going to give you three people. Number one is Darth Vader. (laughs) Number two is Thanos. And number three is Michael Douglas in every movie that he starred in for the last 25 years. (laughs) The greed is good. Like he knows stuff is jacked up, Mm. but he continues to perpetuate it because he benefits from it. Uh, He leverages to his advantage. Yep, Leverages to his advantage. Even in sports, I'll I'll use a quick sports analogy. You know how some of these coaches love it when their teammates get into a fight with each other? Like they literally will watch teammates fight each other in practice and the coach will let them fight for five or six minutes and thinks that's a good thing because there's so much passion. Sure. But my mindset is those are five or six minutes that you could have been getting better to beat your opponent, but now you're not because you spent it perpetuating a negative culture of being violent, unnecessarily violent to each other, even in a sport like football. Yep. So there you have it. 95% of the people who either living in oblivion, suffer paralysis by analysis, or they're objectively perpetuating the oppression inside of an organization. And what I want people to be is in the 5%. The people who not only are aware of what's wrong, but they are empowered and equipped and educated to do something about it. Now, let me be clear. What do I mean do something about it? You can't solve every problem. You can't do everything. But there is something that you can do to make things right. It's kind of like the old adage that you would hear at Walt Disney. It may not be your fault, but it is your problem. Mm. Think about the greatest customer service organization, which Mm. is you may not have screwed up the thing that the customer is mad about, but now it's your problem because they called you. So what are you going to do right now to try to make this situation better than it was before the situation came to you? And so what I teach leaders how to do is to have that justice code inside of them, that code that says, you know what, I'm going to spend all of my time making sure that I'm never living in oblivion. And how do I do that? As I have active conversations with people every day about what's going on in their lives, because you never know that somebody might show up to work and literally be experiencing some of the most traumatic stuff, but nobody ever asked them about what they're going through. And therefore it spills over into something else. So be consciously aware about having conversations. The second level of that is that if you become aware of something, recognizing your own personal power to do something. First, it might be to just acknowledge that that person is going through something, or maybe say, I'm sorry you're experiencing that, or what can I do to help? Just, just asking people, what can I do to help? And then when they tell you what you can do to help, just do it. Mm. Be like Nike and just do it. Just if they say, hey, would you make a call for me? Make the call. Is it going to kill you to make a phone call if somebody's experiencing trouble? And let me take this whole analogy around social blindness to something that we all experienced in, in America literally three years ago is when George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And let me, let me frame up the social conscious construct that I just talked about in that George Floyd had a knee on his neck for nine minutes and 50 plus seconds, almost 10 minutes. Okay. There was only one person who had the knee on his neck, but there were 12 people who were standing there with cell phone cameras recording this man dying in real time. And -hmm. those 12 people were suffering paralysis by analysis. They saw what was happening, but they did not intervene in any way, shape or form. They just, watched it happen. But guess what? There were 
hundreds of people at that intersection in their community who weren't even aware of what was happening in real time. So they were living in oblivion. 12 people were watching it and didn't do anything about it. And then the other three cops who were there with him were in that 10%. Like they saw what was happening was wrong. Yep. They didn't have the confidence. They didn't have the wherewithal. Or maybe they thought that they would benefit. I'm going to get a promotion if I help this guy take this, this big guy down. Or maybe I'm going to be in the right and get rewarded because Chauvin was a senior officer on the scene. So maybe they thought they were going to get a promotion because they helped him out. So it doesn't matter whether it's you know police violence or whether it's what happens in your manufacturing factory where people are experiencing unfairness or injustice in some kind of way. The greatest leaders are the ones who are conscious about what they can do about it and are empowered to take action. And that's what I teach them how to do is to be empowered and how to take that action. Mm. Oh, man, so much to unpack. Let me go here. Yes. Leadership. It's an interesting piece. And I, I love how you applied both a life example and a professional example. And at the end of the day, they all blend the way that you described you and I have probably a different lens, not from each other, but maybe from a Webster dictionary about leadership. Because mm -hmm. Webster mm -hmm. will tell you it's about rank, role, title, authority, which means 10% of the world are leaders and 90% are followers and da da, da 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 And that's not the world that you and I believe in. No. We are very much about leadership starts with self and yes. then eventually it can scale into teams, cultures, and others. But yes. where I'm going with this is if I'm listening in, you just gave me a great insight about if I'm quote unquote leading a team, meaning I am a positional leader, Awesome. I already pulled gold from what you said. I want to be in that 5%. Yes. But what if I'm not a positional leader? Yes. What perspective, what advice would you have if you are in a workplace? Let's use a work example for now. Mm -hmm. I'm in a workplace and you actually, I'll, I'll share this and please correct my stat if I'm wrong. But before we jumped on today mm -hmm. or before we hit record, I should say, you gave me a, a staggering statistic. Please correct me again. I think you said, 80 million people have quit in the last two years. And by the end of this year, another 42% are either leaving or considering leaving. So mm -hmm. please fact check. But at the end of the day, yes. I guess my point is if I work in one of those companies, if I'm like yes. maybe one of those 42% that's thinking of bouncing, like yes. let's talk to this person to make sure like, A, how can I make my current environment current mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. best possible? Mm -hmm. And let's start there. And then eventually we'll say, now, how do I make a decision if I decide to change. But let's yeah. start with optimizing for your current environment. Yeah. Very great question. And you're right. Both of those stats are correct that are where people are. So here's what I would say to the person who is in that situation and are trying to figure out how to make the environment better. Well, I always tell people, start local before you go global, which yes. is your yes. company might be jacked up. It might be a bad company all the way across the board. But you know what? The only thing you can focus on right now is the relationship you have with the people who you have to work with every single day. So if you're on a team, a project team of five people, then those four people are who you need to become the leader for. Hmm. Regardless of whether you have the title, whether you have the, the prerequisite skill set to say that you're a leader, you're a leader because you're a part of that team. And so my context is how do you increase your relationship awareness to the people you have on the team? So mm. let me give you three things you need to do right now. Love the it. first thing you need to do is you need to know who you're on the team with. And when I say know who you're on the team with, I'm going to ask you this way. Do you know what every teammate cares about in their personal life and their professional life? 
Have you built a good enough relationship with them that you know their spouse or their partner's names? Do you know their kids' names? Do you know their favorite movie of all time? Do you know their favorite color? If you don't know who they are, then it's really hard for them to share with you what they care about because they're not going to trust you if they feel like you don't know each other and, and they don't know you and you don't know them. So get to know the people that you lead. That will create a positive leadership environment where you're bonded with people. Because here's another stat. Most people don't quit jobs if they have a best friend at work. Yes. That's a measurement of retention, which is if you got somebody that you consider to be a best friend at work, you won't generally quit. Why? Because you don't quit on your friends. Nobody Mm -hmm. likes to quit on their friends, right? So how do you create that environment? So that's the first thing I would tell you to do. Now, let's just say you're in a place where you've tried those things, you tried to build relationships, but you've been ostracized or you don't have any allies at work, you've been marginalized in any kind of way, maybe harassed or mistreated, and you're just saying, I'm done. What am I going to do next? Or how am I going to get out of here? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is wherever you go, you want to be the best leader in the room. You Hmm. want to be the person who can lead from any position in the organization. So I got something I want to give to everybody who's listening in either camp. If you want to become a better leader, I want you to go to antongun.com slash toolkit. I want you to download my Just Lead Toolkit. This is the context of what I put in the book, which is who cares what's wrong in your workplace? You can solve them by just leading. And this Mm -hmm. toolkit will give you some qualities, some traits, and the nine pivotal points that I teach in all of my keynote presentations on how you can become that leader that everyone will admire. And when I say admired, I want you to think about the greatest leaders we know on the planet Earth. People like Mother Teresa and Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela. If you think about someone who you would say is the most admired leader on the planet, I've kind of done the research and says, what do these people have in common? Mm -hmm. They all have a social conscious. And they break the social conscious construct and they take action. But more importantly, they understand the importance of building relationships with people. So when you go to that next job, you got to be a relationship builder. You got to know how to ask the right questions and learn about the team that you're going to if you want to build a successful environment where you can thrive in real time. So whether you're trying to stay or whether you're trying to go, antongun.com slash toolkit is the resource that you need that's going to give you some game plan on how you get to the next level. I love it. I love it. Yes. And we'll have that link also in the show notes. So please, for our Tire Win Monday Nation, take Anton up on that. It's a gift from the heart, a place of abundance. So I love it. You just brought up the power of questions. In some cases, they're questions we ask ourselves. In other cases, they're questions we ask others. I've done my homework here, and there's three questions that as I was digging a few things up about you, even though we had a friendship, but I, as the deeper I got into your work, I was like, man, these are some powerful questions. Mm-hmm. So do you care about me? Will mm-hmm. you help me? Mm-hmm. And do you trust me? Mm-hmm. Walk us through where those three questions came from, the significance of those questions and how they can apply to every single member of our Win Monday Nation. Yeah. So the first backstory is, Everything rises and falls on leadership, and I'm a servant leader first. And as I said just a second ago, it's hard to serve people that you don't care about. And so the prerequisite of leadership is to serve your people first. And so I think you got to care about people. 
And it's a question that everybody asks. So how I frame the three questions, I'm going to give them to everybody. Do you care about me? Will you help me? And can I trust you? These are the questions that every employee asks every day when they show up to work. Mm. These are the same questions every customer asks when they encounter your business. Mm. Every listener who's listening to this podcast wants to know, Paul, do you care about me? Will you help me to be successful? And can I trust the content that you're delivering to me? Mm. Everybody wants that, right? But here's the magic in it is that these questions are questions that are simple, like super easy. Your kids are asking you these questions every day when they get up out of the bed and they see you first thing in the morning. They want to know, dad, do you care about me? Dad, will you help me tie my shoes? Will you help me to button up my shirt? Dad, will you make sure I get to school on time? Will you make sure I got a great lunch? The same question, will you help me? And then the trust question. And trust is built over time by repeatedly demonstrating to people that you care about them and that you're willing to help them. And so for me, this is what we all should be doing for each other on the planet. It's like, do you care enough about me to even know how to pronounce my name? And you do. You said Anton. But I can tell you, I've had people call me Antoine, Antonio, Antoine, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. My name is five letters, two syllables, right? And I will correct you once or twice. But on the third time, if you're still calling me something other than Anton, then you're saying to me that you don't care enough about me to even pronounce my name right. Mm. And you're losing trust at that point. Because if you can't simply get my name right, what else might you be getting wrong? Mm -hmm. What else I might doubt about you? And so if you want to remove doubt when it comes to leading teams and leading people, if you want to remove doubt from your customers about your products and services, you got to answer those three questions. And I had some unfortunate experiences where leaders didn't answer those three questions for me and I checked out and quit. But I had a boss. Her name is Lenora Reese. My very first real boss, a person that I really cared about answer those three questions every day. And you know why, Paul? Let me just close it with this point. Yeah. It wasn't that she was trying to help me to be successful at work. It wasn't because she was, you know, just trying to be interested in in who I was as a person. She literally showed me that she cared about me when she came into work one day after working for her for 13 months. She brought me a job description for another job in another organization. And I was like, am I doing a bad job? She says, no, Anton, you're doing a great job. And I think you're more valuable than anything. But I can't afford to pay you what you deserve to be paid. But I found this job and they Mm. can pay you what you deserve to be paid. And I'm going to help you to get the job. So let's prep for your interview. Send me your resume. I'm going to clean it up for you. And then put me down as a reference. So my boss that I worked for helped me to go get an $11,000 raise because she couldn't afford to pay me what she believed I deserved to be paid. And from that point forward, she has been instrumental in my personal development because she cared about my success and my outcomes and wanted me to be successful. And it wasn't about her winning awards for having a great staff who delivered on the services that we were delivering, but it was about helping her people to grow and get what they want to get out of life. And that's what the greatest leaders do for us all. Yeah, I love where you're bringing us to because in a world where in the last two, three years, we've heard terms in the news, which are real, Mm -hmm. the great resignation, Mm -hmm. quiet quitting, Mm 
And then mm-hmm. today you hit me with the bomb about 80 million people have left and another 42% are thinking about it or going to do it. You know what's crazy, Anton? And I know you know this, but I'm talking to our Win Monday Nation right now. Good still exists. Great. I know we're painting a painful picture and I'm not telling you the world does not have problems. I'm not telling you that folks like Anton and I step into our culture transformation work and leadership development work and we get into some situations where Let's put it this way. I always ask this question and it's very challenging and I've been fired because of it. So I love sharing it publicly. I ask leaders that I know that there's a better or different way to lead. I say, would you want your son or daughter to work here? Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I'm not worried about their answer because they'll make up what they want me to hear. If they hesitate, that's their answer. Yes. So I say this respectfully to say that the 5%, going back to what Anton shared earlier, that good exists. And so my challenge to our Win Monday Nation is if for whatever reason you put in your all, you poured care and help and you invested trust into your local culture using Anton's language here, and I love it, and maybe it's not reciprocated for whatever reason. So you know there's a different home, family, and tribe for you. Mm -hmm. I would say instead of starting your search based on title or money, or something else you could see on the top page of a website, who are you going to work with? Who are you going to work for? Because if you can develop that sisterhood and brotherhood and find those five percenters and surround yourself with five percenters, a lot of the other stuff seems to take care of itself. So Anton, just uh, you've illuminated a lot of those thoughts, brother, a lot of those thoughts. You preach the sermon and you're exactly right. There's still a lot of good. And it's a great point to be made is that we just got to help those good leaders grow in real time and know that we got to connect. Like, I mean, it's really yeah. like finding those brothers and sisters that exist all over our organization, all over the country. And let's bond together because when we do, we can educate the 50% who are blind and living in oblivion. Mm-hmm. We can empower the 35%. And the most important part, we can alienate the 10% and make them go away. Not because we force them out, but we'll build a kind of culture where everybody is reinforcing the positive behavior and people who are bad people will get real uncomfortable staying around when good stuff is coming around. Oh, That's yeah. the bottom line. Anton, when we connect offline, I'm going to tell you my metaphor of partners, tourists, and prisoners. Because uh, your, your percentages, <laughs> I, I got some, you gave me some Darth Vader and some other characters. I got some partners, tourists, and prisoners for you. Anton, before I hit you with the last question, brother, I know you gave us the blessing of your resource with your Just Lead Toolkit. But overall, whether yeah. speaking, consulting, just consuming more of your content, and like, dude, yeah. it sucks that we have to keep this to 30 minutes. But yeah. I want folks to just continue their journey with you. So where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Yeah, you can go to AntonGun.com. That's where I am online. If you want to follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn, it's Anton J. Gunn. That's where I spend most of my time, but I'm also on Facebook and Twitter as well. Anton J. Gunn, at Anton J. Gunn. Love it. And again, we'll put that all in the show notes. Love the spirit of Win Monday? Then join the Win Monday community an elite personal and professional development tribe of like-minded and like-hearted people, just like you and I, ready to attack the week and level up. To learn more, you can find it all at paulepsteinspeaks.com backslash win dash Monday, or just head to paulepsteinspeaks.com and you'll find Win Monday community 
in the main nav bar. Let's get back to the show. All right, you ready for the grand finale? Let's do it. You ready? All right. So again, this is the Win Monday Nation. Let the world fantasize about Friday. We choose to attack Monday. So whenever folks are listening to this, for the Monday to come, leave us with one tip, one piece of advice on how our entire nation can step into next Monday and make sure that they win the day. Yeah, my one piece of advice is something that I just started doing is I take two hours on Sunday and I plan my entire week, my entire week. I literally have a spreadsheet of what I'm going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I get it all baked out on Sunday for a couple hours. And you know what your free time is. You know when your flex time is and you know what you got in front of you and you're fully prepared and conscious of what's coming. And the day doesn't surprise you because something pops up. You know what's coming. So I would say everybody should do that is prepare for Monday on Sunday. Spend two hours just jotting down what you got to do the entire week and sketch out your entire week. Mm, So good. Absolutely do that. And I'm talking to the person. There's a couple groups right now. Some say, hell yes, I'm in on that plan. Some say, tell me more. And some say, hell no. So let's... Let me talk to the second and third groups, because when I hear that, I know that that is a phenomenal tactic and tool and idea and mindset shift on how to win the week, starting with Monday. Let me speak to the folks that maybe need a little nudge. I'm telling you this straight up. I've always been given the advice that you should start planning the next day, the night before. I heard it from hundreds of people, friends, mentors, coaches, and I didn't listen. And I'm telling you right now, effective beginning of 2023, I started to do it. Not only teeing up my week on Sundays, but I spend five minutes, five minutes, folks, every night. And a part of my journaling exercise, I put my three critical activities for the next day. I promise myself to do anything critical before 7 a.m. because I can control that sweet spot in the early hours, in the unseen hours. And I'm telling you, folks, not only, let let me drop some stats on you. And Anton, you don't, We've only talked about one of them, which is the business stat. I told you mid-April had already surpassed all the revenue and impact of last year, which is phenomenal. You know what I'm equally as proud of, bro? What's that? Lost 20 pounds this year. Lost 20 because part of the process was the holistic health and work and life and it's all together. And I'm telling you, Win Monday Nation, this is no brag. This is full humility to say these decisions are at our fingertips every single day. Anton's two hours on Sunday is his way of winning. My five minutes a night to set up the next morning so that when I wake up, I don't think about what to do. I just get into action mode because I already did the work the night before. So just parting words of advice when Monday Nation, Anton, from the heart, dude, you picked up a lot of fans today, man. I hope you're ready for the flurry, bro. But uh, from our heart, thank you so much for being on the Win Monday podcast. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Great being with you and your fans. Always. Another fire episode of the Win Monday podcast is in the books. If you gain value from today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe and share it as we grow our Win Monday nation together. Until the next time, let the rest of the world fantasize about Friday. You and I, we choose to win Monday. Monday.